The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change and shift your business paradigm. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn for insights on emerging trends that could impact the future of your business. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the innovative business leaders of today. Now, here's your host, Nancy Lynn. Hello, and welcome to the Business Reinvention Show. Every week, we share thought-provoking ideas from different industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Well, a good place to understand the impact of innovation is to look at how social media and mobile phones have transformed the way we explore, connect, and make purchases. They also have changed um, marketing dramatically, um, probably more than ever before, and the change ripples across the organizations. In fact, the pace of change is so fast that even marketers sometimes have trouble keeping up or understanding it, according to a study by Adobe. Businesses are hoping to find ways to use the big data generated by social media and mobile marketing so that it becomes a blessing and not a curse. And yet right now, only about 10% of marketers and 8% of agencies have tied together customer data across channels, tools, uh, or databases. Um, And that means many companies are still a long way from fully capitalizing on the connections created by their own social and mobile marketing campaigns. So given the increased complexity, how can companies create business alignment and ensure good return for investment in social and mobile marketing? And what are the implications for the organizational structure and leadership development? Well, we're going to get some answers and advice from our guest today. David Giannato is the author of Big Social Mobile, How Digital Initiatives Can Reshape the Enterprise and Drive Business Results. He has worked with a good number of uh, clients, um, including Blue Cross, American Express, and Pepsi, and has a lot to say about marketing transformation. So now let's welcome David to the show. Hi, David. How are Hi, you? Nancy. Hi. Great to be with you. Hi. Great to have you here. Uh, really excited. And um, also, I have to say that you have a very interesting um, background because you actually taught organizational behavior before you got into marketing. Is that right? I, I did it at the same time. I taught in the executive MBA program of Rutgers University, which I'm proud to say is consistently ranked as one of the top 20 in the world. Uh, and, and I taught organizational behavior because that's really where I fit in and where I work with clients. I'm usually at the enterprise level working with the C-suite to, to work on how they differentiate themselves. And then I'm, then I'm carrying that and their objectives down into the process, technology, information of the organization. Uh, makes a lot of sense. So I think we're going to tap into that maybe 
now, uh, just to start off um, our conversation uh, by exploring the big picture questions um, before we drill down to the tactical aspects of uh, the issues I mentioned earlier. Um, well, like I said, you know, the new media and the fast pace of change have resulted in more complexity and fragmentation. Um, and I would say having a system thinking is probably more challenging than ever before. Um, so in your view, what makes someone a good CMO or chief marketing officer in today's environment? What would you say are the new qualities or leadership skills that companies look for, uh, which might not have been so critical 15 or 20 years ago? It's really changed a lot. And the challenging thing for the CMO themselves or any senior leader these days is that because they're managing the entire enterprise, they don't have the time to stay current. So when social media hit 10 years ago and then mobile five years ago and now big data, I mean, they're just caught up in this constant change. It's hard for them to keep track of what the new techniques and approaches are to, to adjust their organization. And, and in the last year or two, the CMO has really been kind of at the point of that spear. On the good side, the CMO has gained more power than any other C-suite person right now, any, any other role in the C-suite. But they're really not sure what to do with it. So when I talk with them, what, what I'm looking for is the CMO to stop thinking the way social media has forced them to think. I want them to go against the grain. I want a CMO that thinks of themselves as a connector, somebody who can connect the, the, the consumers and the customers to experts within the organization because that's building the deepest and best relationship today. This isn't a year ago. You know, social media has changed so much so quickly. A year ago, superficial sales and marketing-oriented communication was enough to capture consumers. But in order to really get them to be loyal today – You've got to go beyond just sales and marketing to help that customer or consumer or prospect understand how is your product or service making their life better, cheaper, faster, or even just more fun. And marketing can't do that. right? So you've, you've really got to stop creating content on your own, really serve as a conduit or a connector between consumers and the experts who can answer those deeper questions. So. That's what I'm looking for first off is just that good, strong connector mentality, not, not a complete dictator, which uh, has been built more and more. Wow. Well, I love the way you put it, um, you know, being a connector. Um, and, and I think in your book also mentioned about mentality shift, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a few minutes. Um, but just to kind of uh, make a couple of comments on what you just said. Um, so I guess to be a good connector, you have to have – uh, better empathy um, and also to cope with the uh, pace of change, I would think, and, and actually uh, one of my CMO friends uh, mentioned this to me, that you know, she, one thing things that she'll be looking for in um, candidates would be somebody who's really curious um, so that they could be a very quick learner since things change so much. Um, mm-hmm. would, would that be something you agree with? Yeah, well, I, think you, I think you always want the sharpest and most interested to learn about new things, employees that you can get at any level of the organization. I think that natural curiosity is what keeps an organization current because technology is changing so fast. So is social media, which is influencing marketing to a big degree, but just operationally and, and new sales techniques. So curiosity is, is just, for me, core to something I always look at and look for even employees that I'm hiring for myself. But you mentioned empathy and that's, 
you know, you really hit it on the head with that word because more and more consumers have power over the brands, right? That wasn't the case before social media. Brands had ultimate power over consumers. And, and that's what companies are really struggling with from a cultural perspective. They, they just can't accept that consumers have that much power over them, that many options today. They can <laughs> easily go somewhere else. And, and all of the processes, all the training of their employees, the type of people that they've hired, everything they've created for decades and decades is all founded upon their ability to control consumer opinion through the marketing and sales process. That's gone. So if you have good empathy, you really can understand where that customer is coming from because they're getting frustrated and aggravated and fed up in ways that, that, that just wasn't happening five years ago. If you can put yourself in their shoes, you're going to be much more effective at some of the techniques that I'm sure we'll talk about during this hour. Yeah, and uh, you're so right. There's such a huge power shift um, from the brands to consumers, um, and so that's why um, you were saying that the you know selling approach doesn't really work anymore. And you <laughs> actually mentioned in your book that there needs to be uh, some sort of a mentality shift um, from maybe um, selling to helping. Which I thought was uh, is another great insight. Yeah, you know, I, I look at myself. I'm not a natural salesperson, but yet, uh, you know, I'm often put into that role of closing business and and gaining confidence of the clients that we work with. And what I've found over the years is that when you bring something valuable to the table, you know, in this case, there's a lot of organizations out there spending money on big data, social, and mobile. They're trying to figure out how they get that hard ROI. If I can sit down with them for 15 or minutes or half an hour and really help them with that, that's not really selling. You know, that's not selling in the sense that you're trying to sell them something that they don't want. Today, the approach is to find people that have real needs that you can satisfy. You, you can't talk them into wanting your product or service the way that we used to be able to. They're, they're just too educated. Hmm. So we're, we're finding people who have needs that we can address and then we're treating them with a lot of respect. We're treating them like they're educated. And, and that's not traditional selling where you're trying to manipulate their view. Don't, don't get me wrong. The best brands are manipulating consumer uh, opinion, sentiment, behavior, emotions better than ever before in history. That is being done better than ever before. But the baseline relationship is different. It's this is what we bring to the table. This is how it can help you. And it, it is not trying to deceive them. It's interesting what you said because I think contrary to um, popular belief, a good salesperson, according to studies, is actually someone who listens and understands the importance of relationship and does a lot of education and consulting, like you said, and, and mm-hmm. not necessarily someone who's doing all the talking. Um, so it's kind of like you know, really, very relevant to what you just said. Um, but, but this men- new mentality, um, I, I would think that it requires marketers to have a much longer, uh, I should say, a long-term view as opposed to short-term view that we tend to have right now. And, and that's a really um, challenging shift, isn't it? I, I think it's challenging and you have a lot of the, you know, I call it the hype, you know, the easy buzzword things that you read, you know, the top five things in blogs and, and the way we created bite size uh, little bits of communication these days kind of distract from it. 
But even in a, from a financial perspective, right, the ultimate measure of business is customer lifetime value. That's a long time. You want that lifetime, that relationship to be as long as possible. And if you're thinking in terms of how do I personalize the next interaction, which is all the rage right now, you're losing sight of, you know, that there is a pattern and a flow to a sales process that a marketer just doesn't have the training, doesn't have the background, right? We've pushed marketing into a sales role. And that's a big mistake for organizations because that's not what they're good at. Uh, you know, that is the role of salespeople. And we shouldn't display salespeople in lieu of marketers because it makes you less effective as an organization. And that's what's happening in a lot of companies right now. Very interesting. Well, we have so much to talk about, but first let's uh, take a quick break. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For up-to-date business and innovation trends, go to bizreinvention.com or follow me on Twitter at bizreinvention. We'll be right back. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. 
Um, so, David, another challenge I think、um, CMOs、um, have these days is that how to integrate、um, different groups within marketing department.、Um, you know, with so much change, we have digital marketing and traditional marketing groups, and, and they kind of do their own things、um, in a lot of organizations and have different focuses and KPIs.、Um, and also, I think the complexity that comes with digital transformation tend to encourage、uh, marketers to become even more. Specialized than ever before,、um, so the silos、um, that that has been creating by that、um, is a real challenge.、Um, what are some of the new organizational structures for marketing you've seen that work really well in today's environment? Yeah, I talk about three different structures that are currently in place, and the first one is what you mentioned. It's what I call a segregated mindset, as opposed to the integrated mindset that I'm、uh, trying to create within clients. Today, what's happening is within a within a marketing department, generally you have the two breakdowns: traditional versus digital. And then within digital, you have separate initiatives within social. You might even have separate initiatives within platforms across social. And then you have a separate initiative for mobile.、Um, you might even be creating some sort of、uh, social customer service, which is which is a really horrible idea. But organizations are doing it. Uh, because they're getting such negative reviews from customers that that's really showing you that everything's broken, and that's because they have this segregated mindset as opposed to an integrated mindset, which is these initiatives are all part of one larger movement. It, it started with the internet, but social, mobile, and big data are intimately related. They need to be treated as one initiative. They need to be integrated into each other and into the organization itself. So that's the second. Form that you see in companies right now, it's it's highly centralized, but consolidated within marketing, and this is really what's part of what's given the office of the CMO so much power. Because with this centralized mentality, you now have social, you have mobile, you have a, a tremendous amount of big data, which gives you insight into customers. You know more about your customers than ever before. With that comes the need for technology, so their budget is going up. They're spending a greater proportion of the company's overall、uh, accumulating their expenses. So more and more is being masked within marketing, but but it's still really a segregated mindset because all of these initiatives are still segregated from the core processes, technology, and information of the organization itself. And that's the third form. It's what I call a hub and spoke, and that's when marketing is really doing a good job of operating as as conduits between consumers and different departments. So, I just get them to think in traditional terms. Yes, you still own marketing, and in marketing, you're going to own Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. You're going to own all of those platforms. You might even own development of the mobile app. Although the best organizations tend to push that over to operations,、uh, but you are are connecting sales leads into the sales department. You are connecting customer service inquiries into customer service, and you are connecting、uh, product inquiries to product management, or maybe to your R and D or your engineers. You are merely funneling and controlling. The conversations, so that the right person is talking to the customer, and what that's doing for the consumers, it's building deeper, more intimate relationships. It's letting them know that you really care, that you get what they're after. 
And it, it takes all of this burden off of marketing. They don't have to function as sales, as customer service, as R&D, because they can't. And when they, they try to, they fail miserably at all of it, and they revert back to building fans, followers, more data, more downloads. And, and that's not what we're really after. We're after more customers, opening new market segments, generating more revenue, higher customer baskets, uh, higher customer lifetime value, those tangible results. So segregated, centralized, and hub and spoke are really what you see these days. That's really great. Um, so how does uh, marketing department usually go about that? I mean, do you just provide training so that every marketing um, staff is more mindful of that? Or do they usually have a new coordinator who kind of funnel different types of leads to different departments? I, I, in practical application, it, it happens much simpler than people think. You know, they expect some big lightning bolt to come in. So, so one of the things that I often do is you have to remember that your community really are your most passionate followers. They love you or they hate you, and, but they're passionate about it. And that passion means they're willing to engage, right? So we measure engagement, and then we measure sentiment because we, we don't want them all getting angry with us. So, but, but you can take that passion, good or bad, and use it to learn things about yourself as a company, how you're positioned against your competitors, and, and really where you stand in the market. And that shows you where you should go. And how that plays out is something very simple. So right now you have social media analysts of generally a very a fairly low-level position within the marketing department. They're posting. They're answering comments. They're, they're, they're trying to do the best they can to engage consumers and keep them happy, dealing with problems as they arise. So all of this product and company and competitive information is going by the wayside because that social media analyst really doesn't know. But yet – over an R&D and engineering product development, there's this big gap. You know, they wish they had good insight from the market. So what we do is we take the social analysts, we take them to the basement where the engineer works, somebody that we think is the least social person in the company, and we say, look, engineer, what would you want to know if you could ask customers or customers of our competitors what they like and don't like and and they'll give some answer you know hey this is a survey i did and and this is what i was trying to answer great social media analyst goes back posts those questions on social media but already we've gotten better questions and those questions generate answers and we bring the narrative form of those answers back to the engineer and the engineer goes they really they go wow you know these are good answers but really what i would have asked now that i've seen this is x y and z now we've got even better questions. They're more pointed. And the social media analyst knows whether or not Twitter or Facebook or Instagram is the right platform. Right? So that's how they're serving as a conduit. But you're also educating that product manager about social and the value of it. You're speaking to them in business terms. So you've now sold that to them. I can make your job easier and get you things you never could get before that will help you do a better job simply by working with me. But you're not going to the basement saying, hey, jump on the bandwagon with social media, become highly social. They don't want to hear that. That's really helpful. Yeah, so really what you want is a two-way communication, both with external communities, but also internally as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's really awesome. And so 
I think another thing to help with integration would be to um, have companies understand consumer purchase journey um, or identify profitable customers and make that really part of the strategic planning. I think that will help them think about their structure as well as um, the overall business uh, strategy and, and better integration. Um, but purchase behaviors have changed a lot over the years. Um, what are different types of purchase journeys um, you're seeing uh, nowadays? Well, well, there's a lot of different journeys, and I, I think that the term journey adds a little bit of confusion. So, so again, I'm trying to get people to think in traditional terms, right? How did you create customers in the past? So I, I'll give you a few examples of what journey meant, journeys meant to um, some brands that everyone would know. So if we take Netflix, Netflix in the beginning uh, was really struggling. I mean, now we know that they were, the, they were the final nail in the coffin of the video rental industry, but it wasn't that way. This is a company that almost went under because they were following the same exact model as the rental companies. You, you rent a video, you watch it, you send it back. Now you have the turnaround, you send it, and, and it really was a, it was a bottleneck in, in their operations. But then they, then they started really to think about it, and they said, you know, the problem is we've got all these hurdles you have to cross in the customer's journey. What we really want is the simplest journey possible, which is the customer goes on the website, tells us what they want, and we send it to them. And that was the origin of the queue, which revolutionized Netflix, made it wildly popular. But when you think from an operational perspective, what it did was it sped up their sales cycle. It sped up how quickly they could get movies out, get them back, charge for them, right? And then they have the subscription program. So... That's a journey to them, you know, that transactional feel. Starbucks' journey was much, much different. Now, we think Starbucks, we think mobile because they have the best mobile app in the world. It's, it's the most popular mobile wallet app. Nobody can compete with it at all. But that mobile app started by them looking at the journey of a customer through their store because that's really what Starbucks was hanging its hat on. Not great coffee, but, great, but good, really good coffee in a great environment, and you can't do that if you're standing in line for 10 minutes to get your $5 cup of coffee. It doesn't work. The mobile app reduced the financial transaction to, to nearly instantaneous for a large percentage of customers. It made the journey through their store uh, much more efficient. Now you, you can contrast that with Dunkin' Donuts, which their journey problem was getting a customer from one Dunkin' Donuts store to another because they were a franchise and the experience was inconsistent. So they used social to create a perception of continuity across stores, right? That American runs on Dunkin', which was probably the most in early innovative social um, campaigns that we had. So their definition of journey was much, much different. Um, so, you, so you have to understand what is the journey in your business model as it exists, and then how do you use these things to improve it? Mm. Well, continuing on with the topic of integration, I think another challenge that companies have is that uh, the social um, group uh, of the marketing department sometimes um, does not have the same kind of financial accountability as the <laughs> traditional marketers have, right? So traditional marketers a lot of time are being held accountable for revenues or number of uh, customers acquired, but social and mobile marketers sometimes get away with number of likes or mentions um, right. without really understanding their acquisition cost or lifetime value. Um, so how do companies go about addressing that? 
Yeah, that, that's um, it's a big answer because if we look at marketing, digital or traditional versus the organization's uh, traditional functions, let's say sales or operations, marketing was never judged by very hard standards either, right? Impressions was often acceptable. But so when we're talking about measuring performance, we really have to go back to traditional measures, revenue, uh, expense, and the profit equation. All right, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about how do we go about doing that because I think a lot of marketers do struggle um, with that translation. Um, so let's first take another break and then we can continue with our conversation. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. You can download our podcast from Voice America, iTunes, or Stitcher, or go to our website, businessreinvention.com, for more information. We'll be back after these messages. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. All right, so David, before the break, we we're talking about how can we create a financially accountable matrix for um, social and mobile marketers. Um, can you tell us more about that translation? 
Sure. The, the first thing is the most, the simplest example that I can come up with. You know, right now you're interacting with a lot of potential customers via social channels and mobile, right? Because mobile is really another channel as well these days. You're, you're interacting with a lot of prospects via these channels, but nobody is turning around and, and asking the question of, well, how many customers, how much revenue did we generate from these initiatives? Now, executives are starting to answer, ask this question, and that's, that's, of course, why I wrote the book, because this is the demand these days that executives are really now answering, asking this question of where's the ROI for all this expense. So, so the, the simplest example is, why don't we take our sales reports? And most companies report on where their leads came from, what the lead conversion per channel was, uh, and they might have some more nuanced breakdown of that. Why don't we simply put on there social as a channel, mobile as a channel? Because when an executive or, or a senior manager or decision maker looks at that and they see social, number of leads, zero, they're going to ask the obvious question. They're going to say, you mean we're interacting with all these people. We have, we have 100,000 followers and we don't have one sales inquiry coming through that channel. Something's wrong here. Let's fix this. So we can start to change the mindset of how we think about these initiatives with something as simple as changing the structure of reports. Nobody wants to do that. It's very unpopular because somebody has to then figure out how to answer that question once we put it on a report. But if you want to change your organization, those are the terms you have to think think in. How many leads came in and then what was the conversion rate? Marketing's not going to do that. They're going to pass that over to sales because sales are the best people at executing against that. Now, now maybe that's a little bit different than profitable customers and how we measure customer profitability. Which is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. which I think is another great um, topic to talk about. Um, Yeah, tell us more about that. How do you go about linking this to uh, profitable customer uh, tracking? Yeah, and this is really the mindset that's changed and where so many CMOs get hung up because CMOs are thinking in more traditional terms. Right, traditional terms, the, during the time that they became CMOs, marketing had a different philosophy. It was throw your message out there, come up with the best message, the best image, the best graphics, the best tagline, and have that be as sticky as possible, get as many impressions as possible, so that in the moment of need, the customer remembered your brand or your product or service and came to you. You had to draw them to you from that stickiness. That, that method is gone. That, that's what's radically changed. The new method starts with a much simpler mindset. It says, okay, I don't know what will work. Social is very confusing. There, I, I'm interacting with not only prospects and customers. I'm interacting with people that will never be a prospect, but yet they can, they can badmouth my brand if they want to. So where do we start? We, we have to start on the traditional side of the house because that's where we can understand who are our profitable customers. In, in your opening, you mentioned customer data and the way marketing thinks of customer data. Customer data doesn't answer the question of who, how much profit did we make from those customers. That answer doesn't exist in big data. Big t- data tells us many, many things, but it doesn't tell us the value or the worth of a single consumer. So we have to go over into our traditional data and figure out who are our most profitable customers. And that, that could be the highest market basket, that could be the highest customer lifetime value, or it could be the quickest to close, right? We can put a good measure on that. 
Once we have that, we, we've literally answered the question of who are our most profitable customers. Now we have to change our thinking and say the simplest path to success is to simply go get more customers that are exactly like that. How do we do that? We use big data because we know who our customer is. We can look at their profile. Right? It's not one customer. It's, it's a group of our most profitable customers. We see the commonalities in their profiles. And then we go over to big data. We look at the five types of big data, explicit, implicit, derived, social, and behavioral information that is all contained in big data. And we say, this is the profile of our most perfect customer. How do we get more like them? We, we do what is called a like-kind analysis. And that analysis uh, draws upon the, the big data of all the potential customers that you are touching, matches them up against the profile of your perfect customer, and then identifies them so that you can force them down the path of the perfect journey. How do you know the perfect journey? It's the journey that your perfect customers followed. Right? So in my method, I'm talking about how do you identify your perfect customer? How do you understand how you're interacting with that perfect customer? What did their journey look like? And then how do you force other prospects into that same journey so that you're closing and converting new customers as quickly and easily as possible at the highest market basket, the highest customer lifetime value as quickly. So, so there is a technique that's there, uh, but, but it, you have to change the way you think about going out and getting new customers. Right. It's really important to uh, you know, think about what kind of customer you want to go after as opposed to just get anybody you can um, without knowing um, the profitability of that. Um, but you know, like you said, traditional marketers actually do have a lot of data, especially if they're direct marketers. Um, so they do have tons of information and some of them are already very clear on what uh, the uh, who the profitable customers are, and the challenge is actually connecting the social uh, data with the traditional, mm-hmm. like you said, the enterprise data. But to disperse data and insight across organization for better decision making, you would need to involve IT. And some marketers find it difficult because of the legacy system or different data structures, and others find it challenging because you know IT and marketing speak very different languages, which you pointed out in your book as well. Um, so how do you overcome that language and mentality barriers? Yeah, in, in my vision and of how companies are must operate in the future, and it's, it's not just my vision. This is the way today's best companies are already operating. It's simply going to be mandatory in the future. There is no separation between the physical and the digital landscape because if you, if, if you look at anyone who is a social consumer today, they are transitioning back and forth from the physical to the digital multiple times in the buying process. Right. They, they don't see them as two different worlds. But within organizations, we're completely structured separately. Right? That, that's the problem with digital marketing because it says we need a digital omni-channel so that all interactions with uh, customers or prospects via digital channels are consistent. Right? That's that omni-experience to them. But it, it falls apart because... Anytime the customer goes or the prospect goes to any other touch point, even calls into customer service or sales, they feel like they're dealing with a different organization. So we have to make this transition seamless back and forth for companies as well. And the answer to how you do that is in the data. And we think it's very hard to to connect big data with traditional enterprise data, but it really isn't. If you 
are building your processes to capture the data you need. And in the book, I call this bridging data. And there's only a few pieces of bridging data. And it's something unique, like your phone number, uh, your email address, although we have often have more than one email address, um, or a cookie number that's placed on a computer. There, there are only a handful of unique identifiers that we then tag onto people as we meet them. And eventually somebody identifies who they are or the company forcibly identifies them, right? So in the book, I talk about what behaviors do big social mobile enterprises exhibit that non-big social mobiles don't. And the, the first is big social mobile enterprises always seek to uniquely identify who they're interacting with, not just so they can personalize the interaction, but so that they can capture the data, market with who they actually are. And now they're building out the profile because they have the value of that customer via a customer number. And they have all the behavioral aspects, the social, the implicit and explicit information from big data. There's no longer a separation between big data and enterprise data. And it's not as complicated as we think. All of the back end um, systems don't really matter. What matters is the information layer. And uh, that's really where I come. I come from the business intelligence and analytics space and moved into the world of big data from there. So I'm very much grounded in how do you look at disparate data and create one picture of the person or or company that you're dealing with? Yeah, I think that's a very good insight because I think nowadays um, most people do use email and and very few people use landline. Most of them use a mobile phone, which makes it easier for you to identify um, unique customers. Whereas in the, um, I think in the past, if you look at the database, it's sometimes really hard to actually scrub your data and connect them because um, you don't have bridging data like email or phone numbers before. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the other thing is like now that you can connect all the data points, um, you're able to do a lot of great analysis, including market basket analysis, next best analysis, customer terms, um, which some of them were not possible 10 years ago. So how can companies leverage new insight? And what are the overall implications for um, companies' business strategy? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to sound, uh, unfortunately, a little bit like a broken record. Right now, marketing owns all of that data. But they, they are just not the best people to own it, right? They are the best people to own uh, information relative to effective promotions, effective campaigns or advertisements or things that do uh, trigger engagement. But they're not really the best people when it comes to measuring the sales process or measuring or, or gaining insight into product development or customer service or even something that seems as soft as what are consumer reactions to our corporate policies, which are becoming increasingly more important because they're actually affecting the valuations of company now. So we've got to disperse that information out to decision makers within each function of the organization. But the problem is they don't know what to do with it. So marketing has to sit down with them and say, this is what it's telling you. Let's tie this over to the things that you're used to looking at in your role and see where we can come up with ways that actually make it more insightful for you. Great input. Well, you're listening to Business We Mentioned with Nancy Lin. Let's take another break and we'll be back after these messages. (music) 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Well, David, you have given us a lot of great insights about how to integrate social uh, media and uh, mobile marketing uh, data into um, the rest of the com- company. Um, but I have to say, though, know, if you look at the overall business environment, um, I still see you know two very common reactions to the digital revolution, um, and they tend to be the two extremes. And um, company either refuse to change, or they spend a lot of money on new stuff, uh, new staff, or new platforms, and uh, don't even know if they're getting the kind of ROI that they want um, that would justify for the cost. So, how do you make sure that you find the middle ground? Uh, is there a way to do that? Is there uh, maybe some quick checkpoints for us or, you know, for us to really know how to go about doing that? All of the work uh, that I do, everything that I write about, regardless of whether or not it's this book or any of the outlets that I write for, uh, it, it all comes from my work with clients. So when I wrote the book, I felt like I had to go the extra mile. I had to do more than just talk about the problem, talk about the answer and, and the utopia state and, and those type of high-level things. So what I did was within the book, I created a methodology. And the method was what I saw the best companies doing, what was working, what wasn't working. Because the whole concept of big social mobile started for me 
uh, this was about seven years ago, I was running this program called Social Access 25 for the Global Strategic Management Institute. It had big companies in it, companies like Staples, uh, Wells Fargo, uh, Big Y, the NCAA, big companies that, that everybody would know. And we were trying to get them to integrate social media at the time into the business itself, force that down into the different functions and departments. And, and, and it was a miserable failure. We just couldn't get the, the social media analysts to understand what business needed. So we couldn't get them to sell it within their organizations. And the program quickly fell apart. But that was the origin of this concept for me. So then I went back out into the market, worked with some of those great clients over the years and my others to see what would work. So I put all that into the book. So if you, you read the book, it will actually give you the five steps. And we touched on them a little bit. So I'm casting things in a very traditional light. So the first piece is understanding your digital relationships. And that's things like uh, how do we identify who our digital customers are, our digital prospects, who's the most influential over our brand, social influencers, which get a lot of discussion these days, who are our partners, who are our competitors. How do we categorize them in the same way that we would categorize our relationships traditionally in the physical world so that we're starting to think that, hey, you know, people we interact digitally are really not any different than people we interact from day to day. And along the way, things crop up. You know, people have multiple personalities online. How do we narrow them down? But once we can understand who we're interacting with, the second step is defining how we're interacting with those people, which moves and into this, it changes your mindset because it forces you to think about the third step, which is how do I want these people to behave? What are the things that I want them to do? Because when they do that, I convert them more quickly or at a higher value or it, it opens them up to additional products and services. So those are, those are ideal behaviors in the method. And from there, we can put them into this, this profitable patterning. So we can figure out what that journey is we discuss. And finally, if we do all those things, they're only effective if we align these initiatives and those patterns and functions with traditional elements of the organization. And then, of course, marketing and digital marketing, it's there. And I think the shocking thing for companies is I'm not asking them to do things that are significantly different. I'm asking them to use all the money they've invested, all the fans and followers they've collected. The, the big data is sitting there. They just don't know what to do with it because nobody's explained how this all fits together. You've got one specialized practitioner after another, one saying, do this with your mobile app, add these new cool features, do this with your social campaign. Hey, you, got, you better be on Instagram. You better be on Twitter. And they're getting fragmented. Nobody's there to pull them back up and go, hey, wait a minute. This is about creating customers and getting those customers to buy products and services, doing a good job delivering upon it, and then keeping them happy and satisfied so that they buy more. Business has not changed. The measure of success has not changed. You just have to play the game a little bit differently today than we used to in the past. Mm, that's right. And uh, we have talked a lot about social marketing, and we haven't really um, touched on um, mobile so much. Um, eMarketer predicts mobile will account for about 72% of digital ads in the future. Um, mm-hmm. Does that change anything that we just talked about? Well, I, you know, when I, when I sat down, you know, big social mobile, for me and my view of things, they, you can't separate them anymore. Most social media interactions now occur via mobile. So social itself has become mobile. You, you just have to think about of it as another channel to interact. The, the good news about mobile is 
in this battle for power between corporations and consumers, right, what I call this corporate consumer relationship, that, that battle for power that consumers are winning, companies should be happy because mobile has saved the day. With a mobile device and where mobile devices are going, it allows you to take the consumer who could do whatever they want it in the digital world and put them back into the physical world. And when a company can interact with a person to know where they are, what's around them, what's influencing them, and, and then who they are through big data, you really can start to do some amazing things because the future of selling is it's really about competing for that perfect moment. So it's not just the right message to the right person. It's delivering it at exactly the right moment in time. And it's even, it's even getting so far as to say, deliver that message when they are the most emotionally vulnerable and therefore all their barriers are down and they're most likely to make the purchase or, take the, or, or exhibit the ideal behavior that you want. Right? It's, that, it's that time that we, we watch a movie one day, we cry. We watch the same or, or, or an identical movie the next day, we don't cry. There's things going on inside of us as emotional creatures. Companies are now able to sense when that moment is and play upon it uh, because mobile technology is so constant and so present. That is, that's why mobile is the future. Yeah, okay, so we only have one minute for our last question. Um, so with so much going on, it's like CMO almost has to be a generalist, and yet everything mm-hmm. is driving us to become more specialist. So, you know, how do you develop the leaders for the future? Um, 30 seconds. <laughs> well, I think they have to be special. They have to remember that, that especially as you get more senior, you have to be specialist in what makes your company different, what, com- what customers are finding valuable about it, and, and how you make money from those two things. That is what you need to specialize in. Not Facebook, not Twitter, not even mobile or big data. Those are tools that you can apply to, to those other bigger questions and equation. The, the most effective senior managers are the ones that don't lose sight of those core questions but adapt everything else to them. Very well said. David, you've given us so much to think about. Thanks for being with us today. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. And also want to thank the audience for tuning in. Please join me again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time or download our podcast so you can listen to the show on the go. Feel free to tweet me your comments at BizWeInvention or check out our website at BizWeInvention. Hope to talk to you again next week. Take care. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In the meantime, follow Nancy on Twitter at BizReinvention to keep up on the innovation trends and information about our next show. Or go to BizReinvention.com for more business insights. That's B-I-Z Reinvention.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.